Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Go to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to give you a little bit of Old Testament today. A little bit of Old Testament. Is that all right? Exodus chapter 3. We see in Exodus the start of a man named Moses and God's people, the Israelites. God has had enough with them being in captivity for 400 years, so now it's time to send a deliverer named Moses. And we are coming up to the point where Moses is no longer in Egyptian rule. He has now fled. He has been gone for 40 years, and he is a, now a shepherd taking care of sheep. And he is on a mountain where he is about to encounter God. And it's going to change his life drastically. It's going to give him purpose. It's going to give him direction. And it's also going to cause him to get out of his comfort zone and help him become the man that God had called him to be and God purposed him to be. But can I help you today that when God speaks to Moses, Moses does not want to do it. He does not have any desire to fulfill the word that God gave him. And many of you today may feel the same. See, God has set up something for us in this day and age, and that is called the church. It is not man's plan, but it is God's plan for man. His church. We see in Matthew, and I'll get to Exodus in a second. In Matthew, move this phone. Chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, go there real quick. I'm running you through some places real quick. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, or Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is, or who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to him, who do you say I am? There's a lot of people in this day and age that try to say who Jesus is. They try to pinpoint with their ideas, their philosophies, and really it's void. It's empty of truth because of a lack of knowledge and a lack of experience. They truly just don't know the God of the Bible. But today, as believers, we have come into covenant and relationship through Jesus. And the only reason you are saved today is because of him. The only reason you can have faith today is because of his word revealing it to you. Without his word, there would be no faith today. It would be blind faith, as the world would say. But how many know that as Christians, we don't live in blind faith? No, it's a faith in knowing who his word says he is. Because if his word tells me who he is, then I know who I am. There is power in him. And because there's power in him, that means there is power in me. 
Now, it says this, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, or replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, meaning not through natural knowledge, not through you just intellectually saying, well, maybe this is him. You know, yeah, this is him. But look what he's doing. No, it says, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. In verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, Petros. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It says, I will build my church upon this revelation, upon this knowledge that you see me, that God has revealed to you that I am the Messiah. The Bible says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, that he is the head of the church. Without Jesus, there's no church. That should really help you today and encourage you and to really help you know where a church is designed by God or it isn't. Because if Jesus isn't there, it ain't his church. There are some people that will preach Jesus and say it's Jesus, but he's not there. How do you know if Jesus is there? Signs will follow. Fruit will be produced, just like the word says. This is the, how you know the difference between a dead church and a church that is alive. This is how you know the difference between an apostate church this is how you know the difference when a church is growing, increasing, and moving forward and not staying stagnant and compliant and staying at a place where there's no growth, there's no transformation. The people are the same people they were five years ago. They're not developing. They're not molding into the image of Christ. But can I tell you today, that you're part of a church that has power in Christ. It says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now let's go back to Exodus 3, before I jump into that aspect yet. Verse 1, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of the Midian, or priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And when the Lord saw that he turned outside, or sorry, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Look at this. When Moses saw the bush and he turned to the bush, that's when God spoke. God didn't speak until Moses came to him. God will never speak to you until you come to him. God is only able to do what he is purposed to do when you come before him. Just like salvation, when you came to God, you had to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he was Savior, that he is Lord. 
then you are saved. You didn't get salvation just by default, just because you're a good person, just because you look the part, just because you say the right things. No, you got it because of a confession in your mouth and a belief in your heart. You had to do something. You had to come to him. And let me help you. It'll never stop. It doesn't stop with salvation. It's always like that. You want healing? You got to get healing the same way. You want joy? You got to get joy the same way. You want peace? You got to get peace the same way. You need to come into the presence of God because this is what this is. When Moses came and he saw the burning bush, he now came into the presence of God. Let's continue to read. And it says, when Moses saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. It wasn't holy until God showed up. It was just a bush. It was just a spot. But when God showed up on that bush, it was a holy place now. His church is holy. Now, his sandals represents where he came from, represents where he did, represents his past, his failures. And God said, take off the shoes. Take off your sandals. Feel the ground with your feet. Come to this place where I'm holy, where I'm God, where I am, because that's what he's about to tell them. Where I make known myself to you. Today, when we come into the house of God, you're going to have to let go of things. As a Christian, you would know this by now, that there's some things you can't take with you and continue in as you continue to serve God. You have to grow. You have to develop. You have to be made into his image through renewing your mind, transformed, right? We talked about this last week. This is what must take place in your life in order to hear God. Before Moses took off his sandals, I guarantee you, he wouldn't have been given the word that God had for him. He had to come in obedience, sacrifice, and surrender, take off the sandals, Say, God, here I am. Today, as his church, we have an opportunity. And let's, let me help you. The church is not coming in through the doors, coming in and sitting down. That is not church. I don't know who led you to believe that. The church is the body. Now, we assemble together for one reason, to worship God to come under the banner of Jesus, to be equipped for the work of the ministry, but to be sent out. If church just becomes so exclusive and it becomes about a name, it becomes about a building, it becomes about a personality, it becomes about just even people and community, and that's all just with inside, then we're wrong. His church is more than that. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But if I have my prayer group on Monday mornings, that means the gates of hell can't prevail against it. If that means I come and I don't do anything, I'm never involved, and I just sit in the chair and I come every so often, the gates of hell can't prevail. No. Let me help you today. You have a role in the church. Your spiritual growth matters more than your natural growth. There are things that we have allowed within the church to become common 
to become normal, and then we have elevated things that are natural over spiritual things. It's crazy. And we are wondering why people are not getting born again, people are not getting set free, people are not getting healed and delivered. When we got people within the church that are broke, not set free, and not delivered. But we are the people of God, the body of Christ. Oh, man, this is a hard message. This is hard to receive. This is the truth. Because how is God going to work through you when you're constantly being oppressed and beat up from the enemy? Now, you're going to go through things. And there's always going to be attack. But how you go through those attacks and how you live in those moments is going to determine if you're going to get out of them or not. And the reason why some people are still stuck in the same old habits is because they're not rightly living and placing themselves within Jesus who is seated on the right hand of the Father. It is finished, church. It is done. It's done. Meaning sin is defeated in your life. It's defeated. It has no hold on you. It has no power over you. You want purpose? It's in his word. You want to know his will? It's found in his word. It's found in his church. His church is his ultimate plan. You're looking for something greater? There's nothing greater. It's this. There's nothing greater. It says, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. That word holy means consecrated, set apart. We are his holy people, 1 Peter 2, 9. A holy nation, a royal priesthood. We are set apart. For what? To do good works. To work for the Father. We can't be so consumed with our natural life. I know it's hard because we are so feeling and emotionally led. But see, when we get in his presence... Notice what happens when Moses gets in his presence. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And there's a lot of people like that even now. See, God tells you who he is. And being holy, being all-powerful, being supreme, we look at that. And rather, we have a fear of God, not the right kind of fear, though. We have a fear of God because of what we've done last week, what we did a year ago, what I did last night. And we fear God that something's going to bad happen to us. We're scared of him. But the right fear you should have is a reverence, an awe of who he is to the point where I don't want to live that way. God, I come in because the reality is the veil has been torn. And you have been given a far better covenant than the old through Jesus Christ. I feel in my spirit right now, there's even some just resisting this. Let me help you. The way you are living your life is because of how you see God. How you see God. 
You should not be okay and all right with continually living in habitual sin. You shouldn't be okay with it. And let me help you with this. But you shouldn't feel discouraged, guilty, and shame thinking it's coming from him because it's not. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. The guilt and the shame and the condemnation you're feeling is from sin itself. It's from sin itself. That's why God made a plan through his son for you, a redemptive plan. We're talking about power in him. See, the enemy wants to oppress you. He wants you to yield your life to him. He wants to take you on a journey and beat you up and make you feel like you have no worth, no value, and are unqualified to be a Christian and to be a follower of Christ. It's a lie. There is no sin too great. The only sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Has anyone done that today? Have you turned your heart from God? Today, there's room for you. There's place for you. Moses hid his face for he was afraid. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. This is awesome. Who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because they're taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. A lot of sites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which, which, or with which the Egyptians oppressed them. God, man, this is such a parallel to the church today. I encourage you, read Exodus and see it in the light of the church today. You'll see so much, even with Moses. The parallel between Moses and Jesus is amazing. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, there is power in his presence. His presence is like holy ground. It's a sacred place. It's a consecrated, a dedicated, a hallowed, a holiness. It's a sanctuary. His presence is. And when we come into the church, when we come into the house of God, and we come into this place as living stones, because that's what we are. You're living stones. We make up the body. You are a limb. Come on. You are a sheep. These are some of the analogies that the Bible uses as his, for his body. Come on, how many of you are sheep in here? Every hand should be up. You're either a sheep, a wolf, or a goat. Goats buck. They fight. They don't like anything. And wolves are just out to destroy the sheep. So one of the three, hopefully in the name of Jesus, you're all sheep. If you're not, we'll help you. If you're a wolf, we'll drive you out. I'm just messing with you. But I'm really not. 
See, in his presence, in Acts chapter 3, listen to this, verse 20, it says, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. See, in his presence is being in his body. It's being in his church. It's being in him. Not only is it just that, but let me help you with an understanding. You cannot do church on your own. You just can't. You're a body part. You're a sheep. You're part of something. Now, we look at it usually through a universal thing. But when you look at the Bible and see how Paul strategically wrote letters to local churches, God has called you to a local church. That's why it's important to pray to God where you go. If you're finding a church based on your preferences, is the music good enough? Is it relevant enough? Is it hip enough? Do they preach right at 30 minutes or 28 minutes? They preach longer, I'm out. Do they have a coffee shop? They better not have a coffee shop. Whatever, some people are like that. Whatever. If it's on natural preferences and what you think, because as Christians, we've just gotten to this mold where, well, I go to where I want to because of how I feel I should go. So if they don't have this, then it's not for me. The things that you should be really looking at is, is the spirit of God there? Is the word being preached? Are people getting saved? Born again, that's what saved means, meaning new converts. Not just, you know, people that have been serving God for 20 years getting saved over and over and over again. That's good. That happens. But I'm talking about born again, new people. Are people getting set free and healed? Demons being cast? People that are sick in their body? Are miracles happening? I mean, look, this is the new local or local New Testament church. That's what it is. Just like it was in the early church time, it should be like that even today. Is the church have love? Is there health in the body? Can I come into this and not feel that everyone's just looking down upon me and speaking against me and hating me and judging me? I mean, some of the most vicious people are in church sometimes. It's crazy. And we're a body. Would you act that way to your mom? You ever heard that? Would you talk to your mom with that mouth? We do that in church sometimes. We talk, we gossip, we do these things. It's crazy. We're supposed to love. The Bible says that they will know you for the love that you have. Who will know you? The world out there. The unsaved. A lot of people don't want to come to church because of what they see in church. Oh, you're no different than me. <laughs> if, I, if I want to feel getting berated and yelled at, I'll just go home. But the reality is, we should ask God, where do you want me to go? Because the Bible says God will set you in a body, meaning he has purpose for you. He had purpose for Moses. Moses, and as you read, continue on, you'll see that he didn't want to do it. He complained and he fought his way. And he said, let Aaron do it. I just, I can't do it. But God said, no, I called you. But he even reasoned with Moses too. Let me help you today. God will set you in a church. He will place you if you ask him. He will lead you. But once you get set, commit. 
This is why anyone that I've ever talked to about coming to this church, I'll be honest, the natural side of me wants them to come. Of course, I'll be crazy to say that I don't want you to come as a pastor. Yeah, of course I want you to come. But the reality is, if you only come because somebody wants you to come, you'll leave the same way. You'll leave because of some person. But when you come because of God called you, no one can pull you out. No one can do anything to get you out of the will of God for your life. I'm a product of that. My parents have been part of the same church for how many years now? Almost 30 years. Have there been issues? Have they gone through things? Of course. Who hasn't? Welcome to church life. Welcome to family. <laughs> and I believe God's called some of you out of other places because you weren't being fed. I understand that. And that's good. God's placed you here. And there's others of you that are still kind of on the sideline. Ask God what he'd have you do. Now, this is awesome. In his presence, you find his purpose, you find hope, and you find your identity. Moses found his purpose of what he was supposed to do. It wasn't supposed to be a shepherd on the backside of a mountain for 40 years anymore. No, you're going to be my deliverer. He found hope. Now, at first, it didn't look like hope to him. Let's just be real. He's like, you're putting me in a hopeless situation because I'm completely unqualified for it. So there might be times when you are put in a situation where you don't feel qualified for it. You don't even know how you're going to do it because you don't feel like you have the necessary means to meet what God wants you to do. That's okay. Welcome to growth. God will help you. It's step by step, little by little, brick by brick. That's how it works. See, a lot of times we see the final product and that scares us. See today. See right now. Right now, what can you do today? How can you be a better husband today? How can you be a better wife today? How can you be a better father today? How can you be a better child today? Parent, what, all of it. How can I be a better follower of Christ today? How can I be a better employee? Start today. Now, this is cool. Exodus 23. I'm working good on time. Nice. But if you carefully, uh, verse 22, but if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Whew. Verse 23, when my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I blot them out. That word blot means to annihilate them, destroy them. I will Cut them off. Verse 30 says, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. There is a land that is being possessed on the peninsula, and it is happening through his church. It is happening through his body. These six names, let me go through them. Hittites. Their Hebrew meaning means those who operate in debilitating fear and deplete your strength. Parasites. The Hebrew meaning is those who occupy your promise. Let me slow down because you probably want to write that. Hold on. I get excited. I was told Wednesday I speak fast. I'm sorry. Hittites. Those who operate in debilitating fear and deplete your strength. 
parasites, parasite, <laughs> those who occupy your promise. I'll preach it in a second. Canaanites, those who attempt to burden you with a heavy load. Hiftites, those who are of the serpent. Jebusites, those who trample down and cause ruin and downfall. These are six principalities and powers that the Canaan or that the Israelites were going to meet in the promised land. See, who's ever heard that the promised land is heaven? It's not. It's not heaven. Because in heaven there ain't gonna be giants and everything that I just named. No, the promised land is now. It's what God has called you through Jesus Christ. Egypt was a sign of spiritual death. And Satan, and he had dominion over your life. But the place of milk and honey, Cana, is your relationship in God where there's spiritual life now. And there are going to be things that you will have to face just like they did in the land that had milk and honey. Remember, we see in Numbers chapter 11, yeah, Numbers 11, that when they go, they send out spies, 12 spies out into the land. It might be Numbers 17. My memory's kind of blocked. Numbers 11 or number 17, one of the two. You can mark me. That's why, just mark, make sure I'm right. Numbers 11 or number 17. When they go into the land and they spied out, well, 10 of them came back and said, we are like grasshoppers because of the giants. But there was two named Joshua and Caleb and said, man, this land is ready. It's ripe for the taking. God is faithful to his promise. We can do it. But because of their grumbling and complaining from the other 10, well, those descendants or that generation, they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years, which is only supposed to be a 40-day trip. And how many people have seen this and experienced within the church where churches aren't effective, they're not doing anything because of grumbling and complaining, not being involved, not being engaged, not committing their life, not honoring to God. Where God said, if you would just recognize what's in you now, how effective would the church be? This year, we are seeing God move in this region. God is continuing to multiply us because we are stewarding his word. We're not sitting back in a lazy boy chilling, eating some popcorn and watching a movie and watching our life just go by. No, we are the called out ones, the assembled, the church of the living God. The Bible said that he will build his church upon this rock, upon Jesus being the head of the church. Let me read some scriptures to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. Actually, no, go back, hold on. Gates. The word gates of hell means a city or a fortress. Focusing on what proceeds out of it, it also represents power and authority. So Satan has power and authority. But he cannot even equate to the power and authority that comes through Jesus Christ. It might be a fortress. It might be a military attack, a spiritual attack. We know this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For the weapons of our warf- or sorry, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. 
and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you're able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Look, there's a fight. As a church, as a body, we're going to fight. You're an army now. You're part of the army of the Lord. And just notice this in Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You're not able to do it without him. Your power, your resolve, your perseverance, your tenacity to do things, guess where it comes from? Him. I'm having a hard time committing, though. Get in his presence. I'm having a hard time being faithful. Get in his presence. Come on, Moses. I'm not saying you're Moses. Because you're not. But you can see the story and you can see your life within it. That's okay. See, today, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. I'm going to finish with this. Yeah, I'll get that later. Of this gospel, verse 7, I was made a minister. This is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given by or given me by the working of his power. Notice that the gift of God's grace came through the working of his power. How many know that you're graced today to do what God's called you to do? His grace empowers you. It teaches you. It trains you. Just like grace that justifies you, that word justify means justify, never sinned. That's what that that word means. It also enables you. It teaches you. It equips you to fulfill and do what God has called the body to do. Remember, we don't see ourselves as an individual island. We see ourselves as the body. One person's good. Two's great. But a multitude of people, you think about what could be done. It says, to me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach the Gentiles or to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers of and authorities in heavenly places. I don't think you heard it. So that through the church, which is the manifold wisdom of God, that word manifold means much varied. It means variety, multifaceted. It also is in the same word of like Joseph's coat of many colors. It says, might now be made known to who? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Another translation says, in the Amplified, might be made known, revealing the mystery to the angelic rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What do you think he's talking about? He's talking about the spirits, the spirit world. He's talking about heavenly places, the rulers the authority, the powers, the principalities, the same thing that you would read in Ephesians chapter 6. He's talking about the same thing. The church is recognized 
by all principalities and powers, rulers and authorities. They have to see and recognize the church and its multifaceted wisdom. There is a spiritual resistance that the church stands up against. But it is only spiritually as strong as its body, as its members, individual members. The time for playing church is done. The time to be the church is now. Your spiritual growth is needed. Your commitment to the house of God is needed. When you see a church do things, do you get the desire in your heart, I got to be a part of it. I got to be there. When I grew up, my father and mother were always in the house of God. Why? They saw the importance of what they were involved and connected to, and they didn't want to miss out on what God was doing within that body and within the region. And because of that, not only was God faithful to them, but he was faithful to their children and their children. There's something to be said when we commit and be faithful to the house of God. It's not about just getting a good message. And you may be at that place today. You may be at a place within your life that you don't have anything to give because of what you've experienced in the past. I understand. You may be at a place where you're going through some heavy things right now at home, within your job, and you just don't feel like you have anything to give. Let me help you today. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You were never supposed to do it on your own anyways. You're not designed for it. You're not. You're supposed to rely on him. And the way you do that is by getting in his presence. And continuing in Ephesians 3 and verse 11, it says this. In verse 12, actually. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence. We have boldness and access. How do we have it? Where does it come from? From knowing who we are as a church. We now have boldness of knowing who we are through faith in Christ Jesus. We have boldness. We have access with confidence through our faith in him. That word boldness means to be blunt, frank, and assurance, bold. Where does it come from? Not from your personality. There's a lot of people that are bold, and there's other people that just aren't. There's some people that have strong personalities, and there are others that are not. That's fine. It's not talking about your personality. It's talking about boldness and confidence in Him. Because with Him, you're more bold than the person that's just naturally bold. See, the church is here to possess, not to be underground. Do not believe that the church in these times has to be practiced underground or that the leadership of the church has passed away. Such thinking is a deception. Even in the areas of the world where Christians are persecuted ruthlessly for their faith in Jesus, the underground church continues to rise up in spite of such persecution. 
These churches, despite being underground, are characterized by radical courage and boldness because they are deeply rooted in and established on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is still on the throne. He is alive. He is the head of the church, and his kingdom is eternal. As we continue to take the gospel to the world, as churches, as communities of Jesus followers, it is essential that we, never, that we never forget that Jesus and Jesus alone is the head of the church. He is supreme. He is prominent. He is preeminent. He is the leader who builds the church. As the body, we go work with him, but unless he shows up, a church will not be built. He is the chief shepherd who rules the church. He is present with the church. The Bible says that he says, I am with you always. And in his exaltation and through the spirit, it says that he is with us and we are in him. See, Jesus himself said that he is divine. We are the branches. What Jesus meant is that there is no Christian life from the church apart from him. He's the head. And we are his body. You can read Ephesians chapter 1. And you can read that and that will just even give you some more clarity. But today, we have purpose. Stop seeing purpose as just your own life alone and thinking it that way. That's one dimensional. Start seeing your purpose as a body. Together. Collectively. You're not made to do it on your own. This wasn't just about individual. This is about body, the church, corporate. Got to get out of the self-thinking and individual thinking, my family and me versus everybody else. It's not that way. It's the body. You're needed. The church needs you. Members of the body need you. This world, this region needs to see a church that is healthy, that is being compacted in love and in unity. And that is working in the miracle power, or the working of his miracle power through the Holy Spirit. We're taking this place through faith. What I mean taking it, I'm talking about ministering the gospel, reaching out, discipling, loving, training, developing. Look, there's a lot of things that we have a vision for. And there's a lot of people that are being added to the church, and they'll continue to be. And there's going to be a lot of work that's needed and, and, and that we'll have to do. But it'll be good, and it'll affect this area, and it'll affect all around, areas around the world that God has called us to. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, Go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.